0: I was 50 years old. I thought that was the best years of my career were over. Um, I thought that, um, I, you know, I'd run this store for a long time. It, was time. it wasn't stimulating to me anymore, and I just tried to figure out what to do next. And a friend of mine, who's a therapist, said um, type A people think that they can figure out what to do next while they're doing something, and they can't.
1: That is the unmistakable voice of Ina Garten, Gourmet Chef that will be cooking up some amazing insights on life, cooking, and business on today's Super U Podcast. That's one
0: small step for man. Lift off. We have a liftoff. choose
1: to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they are I hard. I have a
0: dream. You can't
1: handle the truth. Seven.
0: Six. Five.
1: Four Three Two One Super 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 You Thank you for joining us for today's Super You Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Kwaman. A lot of you know me as Equal Man. I'm really excited about the tips that we have on today's show, the Super You Podcast, with Ina Garten. Honestly, I didn't know who she was, but our producers, Jake and Maritza kept saying we got to have her her insights are amazing and it's true and her journey's incredible so this is actually one of my favorite shows and so you're going to really enjoy it whether you cook or not just the insights are timeless no matter what your vocation is i'm going to give a little more background now that i normally do because i think it's just fascinating some of the some of her philosophies in life and so number 1 she cooks only from her cookbooks because she says I trust him after all these years she still prefers the recipe over winging it she's a science person I measure everything she's a type a personality she measures everything she actually studied a lot of science growing up number two she's never watched herself on tv she said she I couldn't possibly if I watched a show I don't think I'd ever do it again she said filming's the most frightening thing that she's ever done it's just sheer terror and she's gotten used to it so this is one of the top celebrities in the world on the food network so it's good to hear from her that it's one of the most frightening things she's ever done for those listeners out there there's something frightening that you need to do and just understand that we're all beginners until we're experts right all experts today were at one point beginners number three she avoids fancy foods because she said that when she did fancy foods in the store nobody really bought them people wanted to roast chicken and roasted carrots they didn't want some fancy foofy Item from France. And so that's what she really realized. And then for dinner parties, her go-to meal is equally simple. It's whiskey sours, a rack of lamb, and orzo with roasted vegetables. And she said everyone loves it. It never fails. So for you listeners out there, if you got a dinner party this week, maybe that's your go-to this week: whiskey sours, rack of lamb, orzo, and some roasted vegetables. And she refuses to endorse products. So I think this is very fascinating in this day and age when everyone endorses everything. You know, she said she's been asked to do everything from dining tables to clothing. And who would want me to do their clothing? The soy sauce? She says someone asked her to do something about the United Nations. She's like, I mean, solve the problems of the world? Yeah, I'll make everyone chicken pot pie and they'll be happier. Number five, she only works with friends. So a lot of people reach out to her to be guests on her show, but she's really only kept it to friends. I don't think you can fake a party, she says. Uh, number six, she admires Bobby Flay. So another another chef, right? How does he do it all? He blows me away. He has restaurants all over the world, cookbooks, television shows. I can't imagine how he does it. And he does them all very well, she says. Number seven, she does not cook for herself. Uh, she believes cooking is a sharing thing. It's not about the cooking itself, she says. If I'm by myself, she'll just have a fruit, yogurt, granola, or get some soup from somewhere nearby. So really cooking to her is just a sharing thing. Number eight, she's happily type A. She goes, I'm satisfied with something is done very well. I feel the need to have my hands in it. And my publisher will tell you that there isn't a font or color or recipe or ingredient I haven't been involved with. I don't have a lot of people around me. I do it all myself, so that limits what I can do. But for me, I find that very satisfying. That's interesting. I like to get in the details as well with her books, fonts, colors. Uh, I really like to get in the weeds on that stuff. Number nine, she's a big Swifty. She's a big Taylor Swift fan. Number 10, she loves Thanksgiving. She said it's her favorite meal to make each and every year. Uh, And on this year's menu, so accident turkey from Foolproof, spinach gratin, truffle mashed potatoes, and pumpkin pie with rum. She said booze is always her secret weapon. Isn't it always? Booze is always my secret weapon. That sounds like a good t-shirt. So cheers to all of you. Thanks for sticking with the show. And without further ado, here are some of the insights from Ina Garten. Oh, real quick, the producers are always yelling at me because I keep forgetting the height game. So how tall is Ina Garten? Five foot three. So those playing the height game at home, she's five foot three. So now we can get in the show. A lot of our listeners are dealing with career shifts. Uh, You made a massive one going from, honestly, the White House to buying your first store, which you then turned into this, this awesome store that's It helped launch your TV show. But that was a major shift in your career. Can you give us some insights around that shift?
0: Well, I was uh, working in the White House and nuclear energy policy, writing the budget for enriched uranium programs and thinking life's got to be more fun than this. (laughs) And I saw an ad for a business for sale in the New York Times, and it was a specialty food store in a place I'd never been, and it was in the Hamptons. And I went home that night, and I said to my husband, Jeffrey, I've got to do something else. And he gave me such great advice. He said, pick something that you think would be fun. Don't worry about whether you make money at it. If it's going to be fun, if it's fun, you'll be really good at it. And I said, you know, funny you should mention it. I saw this ad for a Business for Sale. And he said, let's go look at it tomorrow. <laughs> and we did. We drove up to, it was then in West Hampton. And I, I saw this little, tiny little store. And it was they were baking cookies, and I thought, this is right where I want to be. And I made the woman a low offer thinking, well, I'll go back. We'll negotiate. I'll have time to think about it. And the next day in my office, she called me and said, thank you very much. I accept your offer. And I just went, oh, oh shit.
1: <laughs> so you're able to shift in your passion. And a lot of our listeners, it's tough to find their passion. they are hear, like, do your passion. And then they're sitting there going, I don't know what my passion is. Uh, do you have any tips or tricks on how one can find their passion?
0: I I, I met someone years ago who was um, a therapist who specialized in finding people, um, helping people find the career they should be in. And I said, what do you tell people? What do you tell them? And she said, I asked them to think about what they used to do when they were 10. And I thought, because that's what you did before the should do this or I'm supposed to do that. That's what you just love to do. And, you know, hopefully you can find a, I, I met somebody who said, yeah, I used to like to watch movies when I was 10 and, and she thought, well, I could never find a career watching movies. And she turned out to be the movie critic for the Pittsburgh newspaper. I was trying to get into the kitchen and my mother wouldn't let me. So th- it's that barrier that really appealed to me.
1: <laughs> now, one of the things I love about you is you take a more practical approach to cooking, meaning that you cook for the every man you cook for the, every person, the every woman out there that it's not all fancy, that you'd like to use customers for your actual research on what people are interested in, what they're interested in eating and buying. And so how has being simple been very key to your success?
0: So it's home cooking that I'm really interested in. Uh, you know, when I first started, I would do like veal with morels in the store and nobody would buy it. <laughs> and then I remember putting out a huge platter of chicken that was um, that had fresh herbs on the platter. It looked just gorgeous. Nobody bought one of them. So I took the platter, I went back into the kitchen and I came out with chicken in those little red paper cups that you put, get French fries in and lined them up on the counter and they just flew out of the store. So I thought, okay, it's about home cooking. And so what I like to do is go to specialty food stores and, but it's even sometimes I go to Milan and see the colors of the, of the new fashions and one year I remember when I was doing my first book, it was, um, they were doing cantaloupe and azure blue and, and raspberry together and I thought, oh, that's good for the colors of the book and that's what I did. So I think about something that I would want to eat, and I I, I sort of say this, it's like an idiot savant about what people want to eat. Nobody wants to eat fish eyeballs and foam. (laughs) You want to eat like roast chicken and rack of lamb. And so I start with an idea of what I want it to taste like and what I want the texture to be. And if I don't, I never get where I'm going. But if I do, it's that little ping in my head that says, okay, that's exactly what I was looking for. And it could take two tries or it could take 25 tries. But I don't stop until I get there.
1: I love it. Two tries to 20 f- tries. You don't stop till you get there. Uh, we just had a show with Barbie director Greta Gerwig. And she mentioned having to shoot a scene sometimes 30 to 40 times. So all you listeners out there, go check out that episode with Barbie director Greta Gerwig. And things can go wrong in the kitchen, can't they? Just as they can go wrong in life and in business. Oh, man, I remember I saw this thing out there. Someone sent it to me on YouTube. I think my my mother-in-law sent it to me and I was taking care of our youngest child. There's just me and her for the weekend. And so it looked like an easy way to make a domed chocolate. So, you know, those domes you might see that are made out of chocolate. So a sphere made out of chocolate. It simply showed that you just blow up a, a hot air balloon and then you cover it in chocolate and then you put it in the fridge or the freezer and then it obviously hardens and then you pop the balloon and then you remove the balloon and voila you have this beautiful sphere of chocolate that's what it looked like in the video but that's not really what happened is it so what happened is we blew up the balloon I melted the chocolate and while I had the spatula and I'd fortunately my daughter had made some fancy protection goggles so she had these homemade protection goggles on this becomes important to story in a second. And as I'm putting the hot chocolate, the warm chocolate on the balloon, a thought occurred to me that was, well, won't this pop the balloon if it's warm? And now keep in mind, that's what it showed on the video because the chocolate has to be warm, otherwise it's not in liquid form to put on the balloon. But literally a second after that thought pops into my head, you guessed it, we're in the kitchen, this balloon that's covered in hot chocolate explodes most of it, a lot of it goes on my daughter's face. So I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, is my wife going to come home? And I just burned our daughter's face. Fortunately, her homemade goggles protected her eyes. And it hurt a little bit, but no permanent, no damage, no no severe burns. And I look around the kitchen. To this day, literally, there's sometimes I'll find a speck of chocolate that's way up in the rafters or that shot 30 feet. Because imagine a balloon exploding in your kitchen with chocolate all over it and it goes everywhere. Uh, So that was, disasters happen in the kitchen. So how do you handle these mini disasters that occur in the kitchen? And then it's also a metaphor for life. How do you handle these mini disasters in life?
0: I I remember being at a friend's house um, for dinner party and we're all, you know, it was like 20 people for dinner and we were all having cocktails and everybody's having a good time and it got later and later. And later, and, w- and everybody said, you go, you go into the kitchen and find out what's going on. So I went in, and it turns out she had set out all the first courses on the table. And her two dogs had jumped on the table and gone all the way down the table and eaten everybody's first course. <laughs> and she was trying to make a first course. And I said to her, you know what? Just forget the first course. Let's just have dinner. We'll sit down, and nobody will ever know. So nobody ever needs to see you sweat. (laughs) And if all else fails, there's always takeout pizza. And you can, a a friend of mine actually has has what she calls their disaster Christmas party. Every year, something horrible happens, and they just laugh about it. And those are the ones, you know, the caterer got stuck in traffic, and then the sofa caught on fire one time. (laughs) It's always something, and those are the best parties.
1: Now you've had some major decisions in your career. How are you confident in making these decisions? I think that's the one thing that holds us all back: is that we have to make decisions, but we're kind of frozen because we think we're going to make the wrong decision. How are you confident in decisions that you make?
0: I think if it doesn't keep me up at night, it's not worth doing. <laughs> and it, these it definitely keeps me up at night. So I, I'm, I'm surprised by my to my. I surprise myself being willing to live with that terror i i don't i don't know if it's i mean i'm not in some ways i'm self-confident that the decision I make is the right, the one I want to make. It's right for me, um, and in some ways I'm not, and it's hard to sort out. I think we're all sort of confident in some areas and not confident in others. But I'm willing to, I'm just willing to take that chance. And I don't like following somebody else's lead. I like making my own decisions. And if they're the right decision or they're not right, not the right decision, it's my decision. And I don't have somebody telling me, you know, okay, at 10 o'clock you should do this, and at 11 do that. I tend to run in the other direction. <laughs> not good employee I think a lot of us think that we can stand on the side of the pond and figure out how the pond feels and you really can't you just got to jump in and you splash around and you figure out what the temperature is and you just go oh this isn't the right pond but there's a pond over there that's really interesting that I've learned about being in the pond so I think that's what I've learned over the time is that it's the if you stand on the side of the pond you actually never move you're immobilized by it
1: now i've read that you like to be your own customer i think that makes sense i always say this podcast is a result of that because i'm a customer of one i wanted some tips and insights from some of the top thought leaders top celebrities the most successful people in the world when i was at the gym because i'd kind of hit the end of the podcast universe i said man i just want these succinct little nuggets that can help me kind of unleash my superpower on the world. So I go, we'll have an audience of one if we do it, cause I'll listen to it. And normally what I've found is that if there's an audience of one, usually there's an audience of a hundreds of a thousands. And so how do you be your own customer? And you've heard this saying in the business world, eat your own dog food. That's not good in your world. Obviously, uh, I like to say, drink your own champagne. So how do you drink your own champagne and how does that help you in business?
0: If I had gone to the bookstore and looked at other cookbooks, I never would have written a cookbook, because there's so many. Like, how could you think that you would rise above that? But I just decided, I'm going to write the book that I, want to, I would want to have. And it was at a time when the cook, cookbook world was how to cook everything. Um, the Cake Bible, there were 350 recipes and no photographs. And I thought, I want a cookbook where I can see what it looks like, and the recipe, is, uh, because I think most people are visual, you see the, rec- uh, the photograph and go, that looks delicious. And then you look at the recipe and go, I can actually make that. And there are only 75 recipes, but all of them are really good. And I thought, well, you know, I'll try that. And even my publisher, when the, when the, book came, first, the first book came back to the publisher, she said, she said nobody's ever going to buy this book. Because nobody's going to pay $35 or $32.50 for 75 recipes, and I was—I mean, everybody in the publishing house was shocked. And then three days later, they—they they went to reprint. And <laughs> and I think the people in the publishing house were like, "Yeah, I think it worked."
1: <laughs> now, at the age of 50, you thought you thought your career was done, that the best was behind you, uh, but then you took a year off, which you said was really hard, really the hardest year of your life to take a year off because you're type A personality. You think you want to control things. But you took it, took a year off to get really bored. Like you said, it's good to get really bored, to almost have nothing to do. And that allowed you to figure out what to do next. So I think that'd be really helpful for you to give us a little more insight on that for our audience, because I think a lot of us, a lot of people say every 10 years, you should kind of reinvent yourself. And so at that age, you reinvented yourself and the best years were not behind you. They're actually in front of you. That you discovered, and you did that by basically getting doing nothing for a year to get super bored. So, if you could let us know how you did that, so we can have the confidence to kind of do that as well.
0: I was 50 years old. I thought that was the best years of my career were over. Um, I thought that um, I, you know, I'd run this store for a long time. It was time. It wasn't stimulating to me anymore, and I just tried to figure out what to do next. And a friend of mine who's a therapist said. Um, Type a people think that they can figure out what to do next while they're doing something, and they can't. And I, <laughs> and I thought, okay, let me just try this. So I sold the store to two employees, and I built myself an office over the store, and I've spent literally a year doing nothing. And I have to tell you, it was the hardest year of my life. But I had to get good and bored before I would decide, like, I have to do something today. I mean, I literally had nothing to do. And um, I just thought, well, maybe I'll just write a cookbook while I figure out what to do. What I learned is that when I thought my professional career was over, it hadn't even started yet. And getting really good and bored, I think... Faith Popcorn calls it cocooning. (laughs) It turns out that's a really important part of changing and figuring out what to do next, is you have to just stop. And I never would have thought of doing it on my own,
1: but it was really good advice. So sometimes truly the best thing to do is nothing. We do need to have that space. A lot of us, myself included, we think it's go, 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 but sometimes you need to kind of pause, take that step back in order to go two steps forward. Those that are always two steps ahead are great producers here at Equal Man Studios. Other the ones that suggested that Ina Garten is a rock star, and they were 100% absolutely correct, as they always are. And that's Jake Brin, Maritza Gutierrez, and Kelsey Gomez. Thanks for tuning in each and every week. If you want to reach out to us, it's just Equal at EqualMan.com. Thanks for posting those five-star reviews out there. It really helps people discover the show. So really appreciate you taking the time and effort to do that. And I know you guys busy, busy, busy schedules. But my hope is that you took a lot out of today's episode. My hope is that it helps unlock and unleash that superpower that's within all of us. And most importantly, that you understand that, hey, you're going to make mistakes in the kitchen, in business, and in life. It's just about having that courage to wear the cape. There's no perfect day, there's no perfect person, but there is a perfect you. So thank you so much for turning in the Super You Podcast. This is your host, Equal Man, reminding all of us, until next time, it's not what we take from the world, it is what we leave behind. Seven. Seven. Six.
0: Five. Four. Three.
1: Two. 1. Super, 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 super oh, you. Yeah.